Good day and welcome to episode 79 of the Plus One Player Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Stephen. As always, I'm joined by the lore connoisseur himself, Matt Martinez. Hello, Matt. Hello. Good evening. How are you? Good evening. I'm good. That's great. Thanks. And this week, joined once again by the Android Queen, Kate. It's been a while. I think it's been since the PAX East episode, if I remember correctly. Uh, I think correctly. so, yeah. It's been a while. So I've welcome been... back. How are you? Thank you. Have you been traveling the world? I just haven't heard from you in like months. It's crazy. Yeah, you don't talk to me outside of this podcast ever. So yeah, it's not yeah. like we have other things that we do and we talk about <laughs> yeah. those things. But how's I'm life? Good. I'm good. <laughs> it's good. It's finally warm out. Do outside yes. things. Oh, we had a nice day today. It was great because it's been raining a fuckload over here. Yeah, it's so been raining it's been a lot. Been here cool here to too. see some sun. That's us. <laughs> and that's us. That's the podcast, episode 79. Not as nice as 69. So, yeah, what else? What have you guys been playing? <laughs> I've been playing. Diablo 3. Still? Wow, you've been riding that one. Yeah, I don't know why. Me and my friend Connor have been playing a lot of it. Got hooked. Um, I gotta play the Sea of Thieves update. I've heard the quests are fun from Christine and Matt. What else? I have to... Um, no, that's it. <laughs> that was no, good. That was great. <laughs> great way to cap that's that it. off. Kate, what have you been playing? I see you've been playing a lot of Final Fantasy XIV, judging yeah, by Yeah, uh, I'm back Discord. on that back on that bandwagon um i'm also playing return of the Oberdin. shout out to christine mm. who gifted that to me thank you very much that game is awesome i can't wait for lucas pope to make another game because clearly i just like everything he makes a lot oh because he did did he do papers please is that the yes same person? he did papers yep. please oh, so okay. which i also love so he yeah Oberdin is very cool solving mysteries are you almost done with it um i'm i'm like right now i'm at the phase where you just have to kind of like guess stuff because you've you've exhausted all of the known factors and now you have like 10 or so people where you're just kind of like uh you're one of four chinese people so let me start guessing which one you are kind of thing yeah uh so it's a little so you can't there's no like direct clues for you on that right Right, I've exhausted Got all it. the direct clues. I've solved all of those people, so now I'm left with like the the guesses, educated guesses, but still guesses. Gotcha. Good luck on the guesses. Thank I you. Hope you catch the perp. There's many perps. <laughs> catch all the perps. <laughs> yeah. Catch the perps. Most, Throw them in the perp I think perp most, wagon. if not all of them, are also dead. It was a well, I mean, you know, unfortunate it, it, series of events. I think when you when you like figure out the last person you put them into like you you handcuff them and then the screen goes black and then it slowly fades in and you're actually on a cart headed to helgen <laughs> to face imperial justice okay elder elder scrolls five skyrim title screen <laughs> this is fantastic all been a prelude perfect i'm glad we got another iteration of skyrim we don't have enough yeah i've actually mostly just been playing days gone um i will say i haven't played too too much more of it since we last talked i think i only played a couple mm. more hours mostly like it's a, it's a good game for sure i'm just having a tough time getting like really roped in just yet um mm. i think it's mostly because of the way the world is like it's literally coming at you like that is the the slogans like the world comes after you so that's 100 mm -hmm. percent true so I'm kind of adjusting towards how I'm used to 
open world games where like you have time to kind of explore and like craft some uh, shit. Sure, yeah. So yeah. this is it's more a lot like methodical plotting. Like, oh, if I want to go gather some resources right there, I have to park my bike far away so I don't make any noise, and then I have to scout out the area, and then I have to take out these guys, you know, these freakers or these enemies, depending Ooh. on what's going on, and then I can go gather my resources if I need them. So a lot of times I just kind of find myself like ditching that whole vibe and like I'll as I'm driving I've unlocked the skill where I can see stuff on my map for resources. So like as I'm driving if I see one I'll quickly stop and grab something but for the most part I try to just like keep moving to my next objective which is a little bit different. It's like a very different approach for open world games for me. So I'm still kind of getting into the the groove of that. Um, I do intend to play a bunch this weekend because I have to house sit for my sister. So while I'm hanging out with hey, a couple sis. of dogs. Hey, Karen. I'm going to have to play some Days Gone, so hopefully hey, get Karen. some more done. It is Ka- Karen. Hey, Karen. She appreciated the Game of Thrones shout-out, too, as well, so oh. that was great. And shout speaking out of Game of Thrones, you'll notice that Manny's not with us. It's because he forgot about Euron's fleet, and he got captured. Oh, no! <laughs> it's amazing how that happens. You just, you just forgot about the fleet. About the fleet. Sneaky he Euron. to Wild Wild West. He did. He heard his sultry Rob Thomas tones, and he couldn't mm. stay away. Did he just turn a couldn't corner, and Euron was there, and he was like, Poof, oh, no. There he was. Uh. Yep, surprise, I'm Euron. <laughs> it's amazing. He'd be great at, like, just hosting surprise parties for people, because no one would ever expect it. <laughs> Everybody right. forgets for Euron. that he's going to, like, pop out of my bathroom right he there. might his if you say his name like, three oh. times he actually does <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so he pops up out of your toilet it's crazy he goes hello oh. surprise i'm your own and then you and insults you he insults in, like, you a really you know i want to have your way. baby yeah and then he asks he's gonna say he's gonna put a prince in. it's weird he's just a weird guy we don't finger we don't, up the bum dude. finger up the bum perhaps still <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh. laughs> so, i think of that line weekly at this point though i think it's a very funny line the way he delivered it <laughs> finger up the bum perhaps i think we'll jamie's reaction out. was what made it funny because jamie was oh, yeah. just beyond disgusted <laughs> anywho so while manny is stuck on the silence with euron's crazy crew we do have to keep the house clean so please always follow us on social media we are at plus one player on twitter and instagram and that's at plus the number one player and of course we got a facebook page which is facebook.com slash plus one player so go check out the social media sites it will keep you up to date on everything going on on the website which of course is plus one player.com there you can find all of our articles all of our podcast links and of course links to our youtube channel please go and subscribe to us there it's actually building more now we're doing a lot more video stuff so go mm-hmm. give us some subscribes that'd be great We'd love you for it. Subscribe. Please do. Also on the website, you can find links to the Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash plus one player. That is where we are streaming the Game of Thrones reaction show every Sunday following the episode. There's only two left, but they've been a lot of fun. I'm interested to see how that wraps up. So go check us out there, twitch.tv slash plus one player. And of course, check out the website to find a link to the Discord, which is a great community. We'd love to have you. We're having great conversations all the time, including questioning the writing decisions of this season of game of thrones so come on and join that conversation in the discord unless of course you're racist in which case i hope you forget about euron's fleet because he'll get you <laughs> and after all that if you've enjoyed what we produce and if you enjoy hanging out the discord think of heading on over to patreon.com slash plus one player and if you're feeling generous throw us a buck or two because every single dollar you give us will go right back to the show to make it be the best it could possibly be we have a great group of supporters and we'd love it if you would join that rad group and of course, can't finish up housekeeping without mentioning the biggest Patreon supporter, and that's the sponsor of the show, Nerdiest Brands, but I will tell you all about that before the topic of the podcast. So the house is now clean. We shooed Euron away. We said, get out of here, you crazy, get out. you crazy pirate. 
And so he flew away because he can fly too. He has a dragon. He, he stole the dragon. It's crazy. So episode 79, we have a bunch of fun things to talk about. Matt, what's on the agenda? The agenda is as follows. First, we're going to play the newlywed game, which I don't think we've played in a while, where one person will uh, say a, a ask a question and give some multiple choice answers. The other two people have to guess what the answer is, and all of them are personal questions related to our gaming lives. Deeply so we'll personal. see who knows who the best. That's how the newlywed game works. Definitely. Then... We're going to go into the topic of the pod, which I like this topic a lot. It is about boss fights. So our favorite boss fights, boss fight mechanics we really like that we think are really creative. Maybe some disappointing boss fights we may talk about too. And so uh, that's one where we would also love people to call in and tell us about their favorite boss fights too. Um, So we'll move into that and then we will do patch notes and then that will be that. Yeah. Sounds good. All right, let's play the newlywed game. So I have five questions about me. Of course you have many questions about you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is how you get prime participation from Matt, is make a topic where it's like, let's just talk about ourselves Mm -hmm. for a little bit. Then I do extra. Yeah. (laughs) He comes prepared with extra. Hey, bring three would-you-rathers. Well, I brought one and a half, see? <laughs> uh, let me write them right now. And one of them's not really a would-you-rather. Yeah. <laughs> it's more of just a statement. <laughs> it's just a statement. <laughs> cool. Then you go first, so, since you have the most. Okay, I'll go first. Again, we're asking questions and giving multiple-choice answers. Play along at home. See if you know us better than we know each other. Mm. Then maybe you can earn a spot on the podcast. Just kidding. It's that easy. It's that easy. <laughs> Okay, I might have asked this on the last one. Well, we'll find maybe out. not. I don't remember. Oh, no, I definitely did. So we're he has four questions. That. Just delete that one. Okay, okay. four questions. <laughs> I have four. When I got to choose my first console as a kid, which consoles was I choosing between? Was it Xbox and PlayStation, GameCube and Xbox, or GameCube and Dreamcast? B. B. GameCube and Xbox? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Good job. Yeah. I just Where you, was I? You were, oh, that's a good one. Uh, was it Best Buy? It was. Yeah. Oh, my God. Because you told the story about yeah, you and your, you, like you, your dad and your sister, and your sister wanted you to get a GameCube, but you wanted yep. to get an Xbox, and that's where the bitterness began. <laughs> what game did I play that persuaded me to get an Xbox? Wasn't it Halo? Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm a good listener, <laughs> wow, good folks. Job. Very yeah, good listener. So, that was like hello. four questions wrapped into one. <laughs> well, yeah, you know. What can I say? In what town was the Best Buy in? Was that it in I was Sayville? At? <laughs> no. Were so you visiting Donna D? Very close. <laughs> <laughs> it was in Patchogue. It's a town right next to Sayville. Oh, uh, you know, so. that was my next guess, so. Yeah, I'm sure. Okay, good job. I'm going to go next, if that's okay with you guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. True or false is what I have for you. Oh. I have played and finished Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker. That's a false. That's a big fat false. <laughs> I don't even know what that game is, and Kate's laughing, so I'll also say false. It is false. That <laughs> is one of like the only Metal Gear I games I haven't played through. I ha- it, it is an injustice, and I know Tambo is going yeah, to shout at it. this. 
when when he listens to this episode he'll be like you have to play peace Morgan. and i agree i do i didn't have a psp so i missed it on its first go i got it on the hd collection and i started playing it and i got sidetracked by other like new games so i will go back to it that is a promise because it is a lot of fun and now after playing metal gear solid 5 where it built upon the mechanics mm-hmm. now now i got the vibe you know uh, mm. i know what i'm doing so good job. Usually when I say I'll go back and play it, I never do. Well, when it comes to Metal Gear Solid, I usually find time. Well, that's true. Okay. Yeah. All right, Kate. Okay. What was the very first Final Fantasy game that I played? Was it Final Fantasy VI, Final Fantasy VII, or Final Fantasy VIII? Seven. That's my guess. Isn't that the good one? That's the one everybody loves, but I just feel like that's not like Kate. Not that her. wouldn't be Kate's mm. first one. I feel like I think mm. I think it's gonna be six. Mm. Okay, you're both wrong. It was eight. Oh, it was eight. Unreal. Yeah, but you are you are correct that seven is the one that everybody loves, and six so is I, I like six infinitely better than seven and eight. But I, it was not the first one that I played. Okay, so I was on the right track. So yeah, I talked. I was six on the right track. Way more than eight. Uh-uh. Which is why it's a you little bit of a the right trick question. Well, I knew she liked six more than seven. I know seven's <laughs> the most popular one, so I figured, oh, maybe she like heard the dealio with yeah, seven. Yeah, but I can even that's... picture like younger Kate just be like not hopping on the mainstream. Well, well she's got a big pusheen cat behind her now. I so. didn't have the um I didn't have a PlayStation when those came out. So I had oh. to wait for them to come out on PC, and eight came mm. out on PC before seven. So that is why that is the Good way it piece is. Of knowledge. There you go. A little history mm-hmm. on Kate. Yeah. I gotta put on some hand cream <laughs> while I do that. <laughs> here's my question. Okay. What was the hardest game that I played as a kid? So think. So just Battletoads? Did you play Battletoads? No. Because if, if you played think... Battletoads, that's the answer. No, I'm gonna give you choices and. Think like elementary through the end of middle school. That's what I'm defining. So not including high school. So of these choices, hardest game I played as a kid: Aladdin, Pokemon Blue, or Lion King. That one, Lion King. Hardest game? Uh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna guess Aladdin. For me, as a I'm kid, I'm gonna guess Aladdin. So the answer is Lion King. Okay. But Aladdin is a close second. That's Aladdin's why I put it there. Shit. It's so fucking hard. But Lion King, the fucking level with the monkeys in the trees i was just too young to memorize the pattern I th- happening i think you talked about this on the oh. level design episode i did yeah. so or i don't know yeah i definitely have talked about it i couldn't do it and my sister could because she was older and smarter than me and she and she's also Taryn the better one martinez yeah oh, snap. and so yeah it was just really hard and then and then i remember when she beat the level where it's the um, wildebeests running Ooh. after the the dad dies. Spoilers. <laughs> the dad. <laughs> or whatever. Oh my god! You ruined Lion King. <laughs> the dad. Like, Mufasa. One of the most okay, whatever. Iconic dads of all time. <laughs> yes. So definitely in my mind, as a kid, that was the hardest game I played. Those games are so tough. I actually had Aladdin for my Game Gear. A lot of fun. Played that a oh. lot. Yeah. I really wish that didn't break. That was a real bummer when I found out that couldn't power up anymore. Okay, my next one. Which was the first God of War game I ever played? So, on that first bandwagon, like Kate over here. Boy, okay. Was it God of War 1, God of War 2, God of War 3, God of War Ascension, or God of War on PS4? Uh, I'm going to guess 
I'm between two of them. I'm going to guess three. I'm between three and two, but I'm going to guess three. I'm not certain if Steve had played a God of War game before God of War PS4. I thought he had. I don't know. Okay. I'm going to go with the PS4 God of War. So one of you is correct. Fuck. It's Kate. It was Yay! God of War Fuck! So I, this is actually a precursor to the topic that we're going to do tonight, um, is because God of War 3, I had a, it's a great gaming memory for me playing that game, and I'll explain why later. But I had never played God of War 1 or 2 just because, like, back when those came out on PS2, I wasn't, like, into those types of games. And then when I got to college, my friends introduced me to – they were playing, like, the God of War games. And then we ended up playing God of War 3, and then I went back and I played them all. So I have played all of those before I played God of War on PS4, Matt. I literally Mm. played all of them. (laughs) Okay, well – The only ones I haven't played were the the PSP ones, like Chains of Olympus, or and I think it was, like, Ghost of Sparta was the other one. I can't remember, but Mm. – I did not play those ones, but – Big fan of all of them. We'll talk more about three later. So good job, Kate. Well done. So what is my favorite Star Wars game? Is it Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic? Star Wars The Force Unleashed, the first one? Or is it Star Wars Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy? Oh, that's not fair. Why is it not fair? KOTOR and Jedi Academy are the best Star Wars games. But which is my favorite? I'm going with KOTOR because... It's an RPG. Is Jedi Academy an RPG? I just remember the multiplayer. I'm going to KOTOR. I was thinking of KOTOR. I think I feel like you've talked about it before. Okay. You're both right. It is, hey. it is in fact, KOTOR. It's a Bioware game RPG. Of course, yeah. it's my favorite. Oh, yeah. that's that's see, Then, yeah, you've definitely talked about it before. <laughs> okay. My turn again. What game was I obsessed with in middle school? Age of Empires 2. <laughs> Age of Mythology. Or Halo 2? Uh, Age of Empires 2. I'm going to go with Halo 2 because I feel like it might coincide with you picking up the Xbox. So, there were two correct answers. Okay. Kate did not pick either of them. Oh. <laughs> Age of Mythology, I was obsessed with. Okay. Ask Matt O'Neill, obsessed with Age of Mythology. Especially when the expansion came out, too. And then Halo 2 also came out, and I was also obsessed with that. I loved Halo 2. I loved Age of Mythology. Boom. 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 I liked Age of Empires 2, but I wasn't as... I Like, I loved Age of Mythology because they switched from the, like, art... Like, drawn characters of Age of Empires to, mm-hmm. like, full 3D models in Age of Mythology. And that was, like, the first, like, 3D RTS I played. Besides maybe Command & Conquer. Mm. Anyway. Anywho. Also, the mythology aspect, which, like, I was really into as a middle schooler. I feel like you're still into it now. <laughs> yeah. Well, now I feel like it's morphed into lore. Now I'm just <laughs> oh, in, yes, now, right. I'm, now I'm just into fake mythology. That's true. Just the lore of things. Well, that's good. So I have one more, my last one. Of these classic PS1 games, which was my favorite? Destruction Derby, Tony Hawk Pro Skater, Twisted Metal, or Siphon Filter? You've mentioned loving Twisted Metal before, but like in passing... I also loved Twisted Metal. They're great games. What was the one? What were the other three? Tony Hawk Pro Skater, Destruction Derby, and Siphon Filter. I'm going to go with Tony Hawk. I'll go with Twisted Metal. Kate, you are three for three. Got them all right. Oh, wow. It was Tony Hawk. I love Tony Hawk Pro Skater. So like, all, so, like, that's the thing is, like, 
all of those games are great. Destruction Derby, I don't think it's enough love. That game was Destruction awesome. Destruction Derby sucks. That game was great. But obviously, Twisted Metal is amazing. But my favorite Twisted Metal game is Twisted Metal Black, the one on PS2. That game was a fucking incredible. Like, they actually had, like, story mode and little, like, vignettes and stories for each of the characters. So, like, it was it was actually really fun to play through. But, yeah, Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Great soundtrack. Doing kickflips and shit. Mm-hmm. Scoring the 900. Yeah, it was, it was a great game. It's not Twisted Metal. It is not Twisted Metal, <laughs> but He's like, Twisted Metal is a great game. Kate, do you have another one? I do. So this is like way, way, way ancient history. This was one of the first video games that I owned as a very small child. It was one of my favorite games, but I was also kind of bad at it and had to have my friends come over and sleep over and help me beat it. <laughs> so was it Mist? Was it The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past? Or was it Super Mario World? This is hard because I played Mist as a small child at my cousin's house. Remember and it was Mist? fucking impossible, but I was definitely entranced by it. Yeah. So I'm wondering. I think, hmm. it, I think it's Mist. Was Kate also entranced by it? I'm, I'm going to go with Mist just because you had mentioned you had a PC when you were younger. So mm-hmm. Okay. You're going. Okay, I'll go with Mist too. Okay. You are both incorrect. However, uh, I will say I did get stuck in Mist, but I just never had a friend that was better at it than me that I had come over to beat it. Uh, the answer was it, so is... So was it Zelda? No, it was Super Mario World. Wow. Well, those games were fucking hard. <laughs> I always got stuck on, like, Chocolate Island or whatever it was called. Chocolate Island. Yeah. <laughs> the one that was, like, two worlds away from Bowser's Castle. And I, I was always like, hey... Come over and beat this for me. Uh, do you have I have one, one more. One more? All right. Who is one of my favorite characters in World of Warcraft's lore? Is it Li Shen, the Thunder King? Is it Kael'thas Sunstrider? Is it Sylvanas Windrunner? Oh, I feel like you've definitely mentioned the last two. He's mentioned all three of them like a thousand times. So maybe, I'm gonna maybe go all with three Sylvanas. are correct. He said one of my favorites. I'm going to go with Sylvanas, just because that name sticks out to me. Can you say the second name again? Kael'thas Sunstrider, Crown Prince of the Blood Elves. (laughs) (laughs) And what is Telvanas Windrunner's occupation? Sylvanas? (laughs) Occupation. (laughs) (laughs) She's the queen of the Forsaken, and she's the current Horde war chief. (laughs) That sounds right up your alley. <laughs> they both really do. They yeah. both do. Prince of the Blood Elves. I'm going with the Prince of the Blood Elves because I would like him. Hey, better. you're both right. This is again. This is a double answer. Oh, Li Shen the Thunder King is not one of my favorite characters. Fuck He's a that dumb guy. Mogu. Fuck him. Get him out of um, here. Get him out of here. <laughs> and he uh, he stole the power of the dragon Loa. Like fuck you. What bitch. a dick. Or it might have been Ra's power. I forget. Anyway, Kel'thas Sunstrider is a tragic character. He was the leader of the Blood Elves, last of the Sunstrider line, and then is uh, corrupted by the Legion. And so you have to kill him as a player. Which is, oh, sad. Which is a great segue. Sylvanas is just fight. pretty evil. Hmm. And I think she owns it. And everybody who thinks she's dumb is stupid. <laughs> okay. So that has been the newlywed game. It has. Looks like I'm not getting married to anyone. 
No. So I don't know anything about anyone. Yeah, did I mean. You get, did you get any of them right for us? I think I got one right. I think you got one right. Oh, yeah. you got one right for me. KOTOR. Oh, so the two right. I got that one right for the true false one. Mm. I got. Yeah, but you just copied right. my answer because I was like very adamant. I also it. had a 50 50 chance of getting it wrong, so. And I got <laughs> okay, it right. Fine. Well, then, if any of you fine folks out there would like to give us a call with your own newlywed questions. Yes. You know, just leave us a voicemail at 347-509-5620. Give us the question. Wait a little bit after you give us the multiple choice. We'll guess, and then you tell us the answer. It'll be a lot of fun, so give us a call. And with that, it is time to move into the topic. But before we do, the show is brought to you by Nerdiest Brands. So are you a fan of some cool nerdy things like Marvel, DC, Overwatch, and many more? If so, check out nerdiestbrands.com for a plethora of rad nerdy gear delivered to you by vendors and designers from all over the world. Don't hesitate and outfit yourself with the best nerdy gear in town with nerdiestbrands.com. That's nerdiest, N-E-R-D-I-O-U-S, brands.com. Back to you, Matt. Thanks, Steve. Boss battles, topic of the pod. Let's start out with boss battles that we absolutely love and maybe some of the mechanics in them that made them so cool who would like to go first i can go if uh, no one's jumping go for at the, it. Go jumping for it. Yeah. the opportunity here so Do this it. is branching off of that god of war question i had and it's because mm. god of war 3 the main battle against zeus at the end of the game so naturally just spoilers for every single game i'm going to talk about this entire podcast so just going to put that out there now anywho yeah. so zeus at the end of the game god of war 3 huge buildup because you end up fighting like all of the other gods like you fight hades you fight just every single one um i think you fight yeah poseidon is on there too and like when you fight poseidon you're like on the back of like gaia the the earth titan oh. it's like god damn that game is incredible so the reason why it sticks out to me so much it's not only because it's an amazing boss fight it's because of the experience of playing god of war 3 so like i mentioned that was the first god of war game i played because my roommates in college, they both played one and two and they loved it. And like, those are the guys who showed me God of war one and two and got me into the series. And so when God of war three came out, one of our buddies picked it up and we were like, Oh, let us know when you finish it. We'd love to borrow it so we can play through it. And he goes, actually like, I'm not around this weekend. So if you guys want to play it this weekend, feel free, just get it back to me on Monday. So we took that as a challenge to beat the game in a weekend. So, Saturday night before we go out, we play a couple hours of it just to get the feel. And then Sunday we wake up and we literally play the game the entire day. Just every time we die, we pass the sticks over to the next guy until we beat the game. There was only one time we left the room and that was to make like a speed walk across campus to get an insane amount of pizza, chicken tenders, and onion rings to then speed walk back to the room. And we were just playing God of War. The college story. Yeah, it's fantastic. So we finally get to Zeus, and I was the one who beat Zeus. And it was incredible because the battle was very difficult because at that point, you've got a bunch of different weapons that you can use for Kratos. And my favorite was the Hercules, like, bear claw hammers, like, hammer fist things that he had where you could just beat the shit out of people with these giant, like, they were literally like lions on your fist. It was incredible. So... So many cool weapon choices, and you had to, like, cycle between them to use the right strategy to, like, figure out what was going to work best to fight Zeus. And, like, there was timing that was involved because he would do these things where, as you're beating him down, he would, like, run to, like, uh, you were basically fighting, like, the heart 
like this heart of a tree or some shit like that. And he would run to the tree to power up. So then you'd have to like whittle him down all the way again. And so if you didn't stop him from getting to the tree, he would just keep powering himself back up. And so we couldn't figure that out. And then finally we're like, all right, here's what we have to do. So like whenever he would like try to like hulk up and run to it, you just had to beat the shit out of him before he could get to it. In that moment, when I finally got Zeus down, it was literally like we all just let out a huge sigh of relief because we'd been stuck in our dorm room for about 13 hours and it was starting to stink. (laughs) But we beat him. All those chicken tenders. Oh, yeah, it was great, though. We all took a shower immediately after, and I didn't, I don't think I turned my PS3 on for like uh, a week after that because I think it (laughs) deserved the rest. But I thought the battle was exhilarating because the buildup was almost like three games worth of buildup where you finally confront Zeus. It was on PS3, so back then, like, those graphics were really fucking cool, and it was just magnificent. Like, the scale of that game was amazing, and obviously, God of War is known for its battle scenes, and so that was just, like, the yeah. culmination of an amazing trilogy, and at that time, we thought that was it for Kratos, so it was really, like, this this kind of sending off, so it was a really fitting battle to, like, do battle against his father, who's, like, the most powerful god. Mm-hmm. So, goddamn, very memorable. Interesting. Big fan of God of War. I'll yeah, probably mention there's a lot ones. of like giant bosses in it too, right? Mm-hmm. The scale of that game, all of those games, which I think is was stunning. impressive for mm. the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, it reminds well, yeah. me of that game, Colossus. Shadow of the Colossus. Shadow yeah. of the Colossus. Yes, that one. Yep. Because like God of War three kicks off with you on Gaia's back, like climbing up it while she's climbing up a mountain. And you're fighting oh. off enemies, and then Poseidon jumps up. Like, that game just throws you into oh. it. Like, holy shit, it's on. Poseidon. Ah, God, great game. I highly recommend uh, going yeah. back. Anybody who hasn't played it or just hasn't played it in a while, go back and check out God of War 3. I know it was on uh, PS Plus for free a few months back, so I snagged it. One of these days, I'll go back to kick yeah. the shit out of Zeus one more time. One that I want to talk about is more experiential, which mm-hmm. is why I liked it. Mm-hmm. And then I have one that like mechanically and teamwork wise is like insane. Yeah. So the more experiential one was Ragnaros, who is a elemental lord in World of Warcraft. And the reason that it's more experiential is because it's not really a a memorable boss battle for its mechanics or anything like that. But at the time, I think it was a 40 man raid please nobody correct me but i think it was it's a lot of boys it's a lot of boys yeah yeah yeah. and uh, molten core was the raid and so that's like one thing is that the scale of the amount of people fighting this giant demon made well elemental made of fire like in this room with like lava pits flowing around like it was just nothing i had experienced before and just like having that many people Attacking this giant thing was, like, pretty cool for, <laughs> you know, sure. the mid-2000s or whenever. So, yeah, like, mechanics-wise, I, I can't even remember what happened. And it really, you, I feel like you would just DPS it down until it died. <laughs> but for in terms of, like, experience with, like, this first huge raid with, like, a ton of people, everyone's fighting, everyone's working together, you know, it was just, like, a really cool experience as a whole. And... Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it has influenced not just that battle, but like, you know, classic WoW in terms of like their dungeons and their boss battles has influenced a lot of other games that have taken it sort of a step further, Mm -hmm. which like 
Final Fantasy XIV has definitely taken those MMO boss battles further with like yeah the crazy shit going on like and all the things that you have to like run around in all these directions yeah. and all the patterns that are appearing and, and stuff like that you know I feel like that's all influenced from the very early wow where you're just like slamming buttons and like maybe you move maybe not mm-hmm. <laughs> or you just like slam buttons yeah so that was one for me okay just a button slamming experience I mean, that's what WoW is. Really. Yeah. Well, no, I know. It it's like, it's like it. a lot of those types of games, though. It's just a lot of clicking. Man. Yeah. There's yeah. still a lot of strategy involved. They've gotten there. way more creative. They've definitely like inserted elements that have made boss battles more exciting, where you have to pay more attention to whatever's going on. So that's good. Yes. Did you want to talk about your other one, or do you want to pass it over no. to Kate? That one's an experience. Okay. So this one is, is interesting and very memorable um, for me, not maybe specifically because of the boss, but the way it, that it works. And that is the Archdemon, which is the final boss in Dragon Age Origins. Like, you fight that itself, and that's just kind of like standard whatever fight. But what is really cool about it is that you spend the whole game gathering armies, and it's based on what you choose, kind of determines what armies you have and how powerful they are and how well they work together. Um, and so in that fight... You get all your armies finally together, and they help you take down the Archdemon. So it was like the perfect culmination. Oh. Everything that you did, and depending on what choices you made, it's a lot easier or a lot harder, depending, kind of depending on like what people you recruited and everything. So I think that boss is really cool for that reason. There's also some lore stuff that goes along with it mm. that, I don't know, I like... I keep telling you guys to play Dragon Age, but then I'm like, I also want to talk about this and not spoil it, but... Oh, just ah, talk about just, it. Yeah, just, just say spoilers. Because like, so, let's so be real, I probably won't play it. Well, <laughs> you should play Inquisition for sure, but No, this, I know. I think I've been yeah, told Origins that. Yeah, is, Origins is the what first one. Show. Inquisition. So, um... Here we go. You and another character in your party are the last two gray wardens left you're the only two people that can kill the archdemon anyone else they kill him Yikes. and his soul just goes into like the nearest bad guy and he comes back phylactery oh, oh it's kind of like that it's kind of like voldemort's yeah. horcrux kind of thing it's a pretty good feature to have you know like if that happened to me and i could just if i died and i just could just infect yeah. someone else but like, i'm you now yeah i have horcruxes just fyi <laughs> One of them is my hand cream. <laughs> oh, God. So, again, depending on what choices you make earlier on, it's like mutually assured destruction. Yeah. Unless you make a certain choice earlier in the game. If you do that, then you can both survive and kill the Archdemon. If you don't make that choice, one of you has to land the killing blow and will also die, which is a cho- which is the choice you make at the end. Um, who's going to do it? So you're, you're so basically just, like pulling a Bruce Willis in Armageddon? Yeah, so, like, there and there is an earlier scene where you can, like, do some magic ritual that allows you both to live, but the importance of that is kind of glossed over at that time, so it's pretty easy to just be like, uh, and oh. I'm not doing that, I don't really want to do that, like, it's weird, the person who tells you about it is maybe not that trustworthy to you, but anyway, so at the end, after all this, like, fighting and everything, then you also get this added choice of is your character going to land the killing blow? Is your best friend who's been with you on this journey the whole time? Ooh. Or possibly your boyfriend, depending on, you know, if you romance Yeah, boyfriend, him. sacrifice yourself. <laughs> Bye. Show me a life. I've, so. I've got a future to live. 
Well, spoilers, if he's your boyfriend, he won't let you choose. He'll just do it. Oh, you said you'd do oh, anything for me, baby. That's so romantic. Yeah, he just does it. But anyway, yeah, I, I, I think that is... A Guys s- I'm into, just ghost me. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry, Matt. <laughs> Find somebody you should, you who will play slay the archdemon for you. Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Find somebody that looks at you like he looks at an arch demon. <laughs> We're gonna look at it like uh, uh, Discord this weekend. We'll just see Matt playing Dragon Age Inquisition. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's too real. <laughs> well, that sounds pretty pretty delightful. Uh, well, yeah. maybe not delightful in the sense well, that someone's wrong word. Someone's about to die. It's but I think impactful. It's, yeah, no, I think it, it's cool that like some of the decisions and like I, I like the, the subtlety of it too, where it's yeah. like they told you they kind of foreshadowed this, but it's easy to miss it. So I, I like that kind of creativity. Yeah, and it's just it's just like you know a boss. The final boss should be the sum of your fu- your experience playing the game, and I think they they did it so well with like literally every choice that you've made kind of comes into play in this final bite or final fight with your armies final and bite. your. F- party members and your potential romance so it's great that's pretty awesome interesting and then they do that in mass effect mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. they did something very similar party, yeah party members yeah, yeah. might be bioware's shtick well and they didn't do anything then they didn't anthem, do it so yeah <laughs> well you know you win some you lose some anywho i have a few uh, so i'm gonna I, I can't talk about this without talking about metal gear solid i know of course not. might get some groans but i'm gonna try to neatly package it all into one metal gear solid box of boss fights wow oh it's like a loot box yeah it's a loot box filled with delicious boss fights from the brilliant mind of hideo kojima yeah. so first and foremost the best boss fight and i i'd be hard pressed to find anybody who's going to disagree about this is big the, boss. Well, big boss is the guy who you don't you don't you fight him in Metal Gear and Metal Gear Two, and that we're not talking just about just trying yeah. to throw you pre, off. It's pre can't even know who that is. <laughs> so the end. That boss mm-hmm. fight is incredible because there are so many ways you could beat him, and this was the first time that we finally saw Metal Gear Solid try to do somewhat of an expanded open world. It still wasn't really open world at that point, but. You could do more, and there was there were more ways to get to your objectives than just the straight path that we were used yeah. to. And the end was the epitome of that, because mm-hmm. this was a boss fight that you could one-shot kill him. You could go, you could sneak up on him if you were what? good enough. If you wanted to stab him, if you just wanted to sneak up behind him and pop him in the head, boom, he's dead. You could wait him out and literally just chill out until he yep. died, which is insane. What? Like. The fact that Kojima even put Crazy. that in the yeah. game was baffling. It was he's, just so he's cool. He's very old, for those of you who don't yeah. know who he is. He's, like, literally, like, a hundred and something years old in, like, yeah. in a wheelchair. And, like, he's ancient. So it's not that insane. He's at the end that you of his life. That you can wait him out and just right. let him die. Yeah. It, it was, like, he was a great character design, too, because he has this little fucking parrot who's always hanging out with him. And, like, he would, like, scout for him. And his eye would bug out out of his head so he'd get a better view down his scope when he's trying to find you. So that was a lot of fun because it also, not only was it like you could do it multiple ways, but when you were actually just fighting him, like a normal boss fight, it took place in multiple different sections of the jungle. Yes. Which again, I think it's hilarious that there was a a jungle in Russia. Like, I just don't think that's possible. But anywho. I don't think that's a thing. It can't be a thing. Just let it happen. 
Yeah, we're letting it happen. But it was cool because, like, you you know, you'd get a hit on him and then all of a sudden he'd disappear. And then you have to track him and you have to, like, find him through the jungle and figure out what section he's in now. And it's a lot of, like, using your thermal mm-hmm. goggles. But it was a lot of timing that because that was when it introduced the battery life for your, your radar and your thermal goggles and all your equipment. So there was yeah. a nice element of strategy into it. And it was just kind of that first little seed of, like, the stuff that Kojima could do once he started branching out more into, like, an open world with 4 and 5. Mm-hmm. And so this kind of ties into 5 with the quiet battle, because that was another one where you run into quiet, she takes a shot at you, and the real goal oh. is to capture her, because you want her as a companion, because she's a damn good companion out in the field. And so you don't want to kill her. You want to either get her with a tranquilizer gun and knock her out, and then you can um, yeah, Fulton her back to the base. However... It was tough because once she saw you, you would have to try to sneak to some spot where she would lose you while you could still maintain her. So you'd always have to mark her, but every time you hit her, she would move and then you'd lose the mark. So then you have to find her again. She was really good at hiding. So there was one way where you could really avoid the entire fight and you mark her once, you call in a supply drop and you drop it on her head. And then when she moves, you mark her again, and then you call in a second supply drop and drop it on her head, and she gets knocked out, and then you can just go Fulton her back. And when I found out that is a way that you could beat her, it was hilarious. And of course, (laughs) that is exactly how I beat her. Yeah, that is really funny. (laughs) But that was just Kojima. Like, he's just like, yeah, I'm just going to, here you go. Because that five was his definition of his sandbox. He's like, I'm going to plop you in a mission. Here are your objectives. Here are the things you, you can do, but you don't have to do, but you should do them. And then you just figure out how to do them all. And so five was amazing. And then I have to tie these last two together is the boss fight in three and the revolver ocelot fight in four. Mostly because um, Mm -hmm. the boss fight is just a beautiful ending to the big boss boss relationship. Like those two, you just, you, you fall in love with that relationship throughout three and like how she literally sacrificed herself for not only, you know, who becomes big boss and the, just the United States as a whole, but, like, that last fight in, like, the flower field, and it's just so emotional. The music playing in the background is so perfect. And there's that last scene, yeah. you know, where he kills her. And then, of course, he goes to her grave, and he, he's got her gun. And, oh, man, just tears all over the place because it was so emotional. Same thing with 4 with the Revolver Ocelot fight because that's on, the, you know, you and Revolver Ocelot fighting, and it just goes through a montage of all the music from the different games and the life yeah. bars change to look like they were in those different games. And everything they're doing their little callbacks to, to like the moments where he's like, you're pretty good, and you know have at you, all that shit. And it was just cool because at that point you were spent because you just spent you know, five minutes hammering the triangle button as you crawl through a, a microwave emitter. Microwave, literally. <laughs> yeah. And so you're absolutely exhausted. You just watch 45 minutes of cutscenes, and then you get a battle revolver ocelot for, like, the fate of all humanity at this point. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, this epic battle. They're exhausted. They're just throwing punches. They're stabbing each other in the neck it's with like, those, like, syringes to, like, keep themselves going. It's, like, very it's so intimate, that fight, because... It's yeah, really it intimate like, to the point where you like can a... get Revolver Ocelot to kiss Snake. Well, that wasn't what I was going for, but... You can get him to do it. <laughs> it is... No, I know. It's it's literally intimate, but it's also, you know, figuratively, like... And I think yeah, it yeah, just... Yeah. Again, it sort of culminates everything, the whole Metal Gear storyline up until that point. Yep. You know, it was culminates the, in the these two end. exhausted old men fighting on like, isn't it like a rooftop or something? I can't remember exactly where you were. Um, uh, it might have been. I'd have to. It, it, I think it's on that ship that they're on. The um, 
the, the outer haven ship oh or yeah. In, yeah in act five yeah and i i like that like all of your cool gadgets and stuff that you had the whole game like you don't have anymore which i guess yep. like would be an argument a lot of people probably didn't like that or would say like well that's not good design like why did i spend my whole game collecting all this shit and i can't use it against the final boss and it's like well that's not the point like no i i like that you were kind of reduced to just like your fists because yeah it's great oh no yeah it was it was the perfect ending to the solid snake storyline yeah. and like and revolver ocelot too because we've talked plenty of times like i like he's an amazing villain he's got so many layers to the point where he's probably not even a villain it, and that's just like Kojima mm. in a nutshell and that's why I'm always gonna have a little irk for Konami because sure just just give just give give Kojima the rights like we all know you're not gonna do shit with Metal Gear give it to the man who I made know. it but yeah no that's my that's my box of boss fights for Metal Gear Solid Kate I don't know if you okay. have anything to add because I know you're also a big yeah fan. so I think the ones you mentioned are better mechanically and everything but i feel like we would be remiss if we didn't mention psychomantis just because yes so iconic so memorable it was like one of those first super meta moments in gaming where he actually yep. reads your memory card and like because he's a psychic Ooh. so yeah. like, he, like scarecrow he, and he makes your controller vibrate yeah, yeah he Bing. makes your controller vibrate he talks about <laughs> what, what games you've been playing lately and stuff i didn't play metal gear solid one when it initially came out i kind of got into the series later but i can only imagine at that time if you didn't know it was coming what that must have been like to play that you know kind it's of very blind. frustrating well also just like insane like yeah i know he's a psychic in the game but like is he really reading my fucking memory card right now like what yeah. is happening you know yeah it was so, like i was like eight years old when that game came out and i remember i was like why the fuck can't i hit this guy yeah. and then i was like how do i beat him how do i beat him I like, can't no yeah you're right though like that one it, it was it was wild because i've talked many times about how metal gear solid kind of changed my opinion of what what games kind of were because like i was very much into like sports sure. and just like platformer yeah. games and then that was like holy shit look at like all the cool things you could do and look at how cool this looks even now it looks kind of polygonal yeah. but back then it was amazing footprints right, in the right. snow what i know uh, it was amazing mm. to me and so that was like one of those moments where i was like wow how am i it made me think like outside of the box like how am i supposed to beat this guy and then it gets to the point where like how like what am i supposed to do and then you try like i'll try the second controller it's like oh my god it works <laughs> that's pretty funny yeah yeah it's like when the scarecrow turns off your console yeah in arkham asylum yeah asylum uh, yeah 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 that's the one where he's big and yeah. I remember gasping. I was like, oh, my Xbox turned off. <laughs> and like going to go get it and then it like flashing yeah. back on. It was pretty cool. And then real quick, um, I think the Beauty and the Beast core from 4 is just a... None of them really stand out, but I love the way that he combined the bosses from the first three for yep. each of them. And I, th I thought all of those fights were really good. And they oh, all yeah. sort of harken back to, you know, whatever sort of boss they were kind of made in the image of, but in kind of a different way. So just honorable mention to those four extremely disturbed ladies. Oh. <laughs> well, we're going to do a dive into probably my favorite boss and raid dungeon, whatever you want to call yeah. it, of all time, period, full stop. And if Let you go. know me, I don't do favorites. Oh, I, I, I think, do like. I think we know that yeah. you don't do favorites. 
<laughs> I do like, oh, these are some of my most enjoyable or stuff like that. This is hands down my favorite raid dungeon boss fight period to date that I've played. And it is Riven of a Thousand Voices from Destiny 2 Forsaken of the Last Wish Raid. She is the last Ahamkara. She's a space dragon. And the battle against her is literally insane. It is like the most intense... Well, I don't even know how long the raid itself... Or, sorry, that battle. Because she's the last boss of, like, this entire dungeon. So you've probably been playing it for, like, six hours Mm -hmm. or something. Yeah. And then you have to do this. And I'm talking about, like, the first time you play it. And the non... There's a cheese version. The non-cheese version of beating her. And so... You start off, so it's you and five other people. It's a six-person raid. The level of coordination needed is insane. Um, we played it with five of us in the Discord and then one one person guiding us that we found. <laughs> and you start, and there are six platforms. Everyone stands on a platform. It's two sides of a room. And then both all the platforms open and everyone falls. And so you fall into what is called the crystal side and the tree side based on what is in those rooms so there's a lot of like there's a lot of like shit to remember which makes it so intense like you're going through Mm -hmm. all these things and then there's lots of roles for people to take and so while you're in those two rooms some enemies spawn you have to kill them and then riven will pop into one of the rooms at the very front and the thing about riven is that she has eyes she has eight, nine, ten of them. She has like ten eyes on her head. And and each one, it's each, they're in a really weird pattern. So you have to know what the pattern is, which I would have like open on my phone. <laughs> so I'd be playing the game, have the pattern open on my phone. And at one point, like her mouth goes red, you have to mm-hmm. shoot it and stuff. And when she gets like staggered or disabled, two of her eyes will glow and you need to know on what side of her face it is and which number. So it's either like L1 or L3 or like R1, R5 or something like that. So you need to know which two. And then Riven will disappear from that room and go into the other room. And at one point you sort of do the same thing. She has like different attacks or something. I definitely am forgetting some of, some of this because it's been a while. But basically at one point there'll be a phase where you need to shoot the eyes that the other group saw. So you need to remember like L1, R5. And in that one moment, that's when one person on that team needs to shoot those uh, those eyeballs. Mm. And if you shoot the wrong eyeball, everyone dies. <laughs> so you need to get the right ones. So once you've done that, or like while you're doing that, I forget what order it's in. In those same, is it those same rooms? I think it's the same rooms. You're in those rooms. One person needs to be the caller and go up to a platform and look through a window. And when you're looking through that window, there are a bunch of symbols in this room. And there's no... Dis- the, the symbols are like like a bird or a bird flying or an upside down fish or an infinity symbol or snakes crossed or a double-headed snake or a dragon with his head to the right or a dragon with a spear pointing to the left. And so one person's looking through that and another person gets, uh, picks up like a, a special or something. 
and the person at the window needs to tell the other person which thing to go stand by, which symbol, and then you cleanse that symbol, and then you can go down the elevator behind you. I forget exactly how you know which symbol (laughs) is the right one. Oh, I think the person that picks up the thing, I think the symbol shows for them. They tell you, they tell the window person what symbol it is. The window person has to point them in the right direction. The thing about that is that the symbols are all pretty close together. So while you're communicating, if you communicate it slightly off or the person runs to to the side or something, they might cleanse the wrong one. If that happens, you get really far behind and basically lose as well. So that's another place where it goes wrong. You fall down the elevator after you after you cleanse it, and you go, uh, I guess, back into the main room, and there's bunches of ogres and things, so you have to kill all those again. Uh, once you kill all of those enemies, Riven pops out again. You have to do, and then this, you do more eyeball calling. And so, except Jesus. that I think it's it's six eyeballs, I believe. So that glow, and then that need to be shot when she appears in the other area. So the first thing you need to do is that you need to memorize all the eyeballs that are glowing. And then when she pops in the other area, everyone, like literally every single person, needs to hit the correct eyeball. And so you, while you're playing the game, someone needs to assign each person the eyeball to hit. And they're, again, scattered all over the place. And if one person doesn't hit it, you basically lose again. So there's another way to lose. And you're usually paired with a buddy so that in case something happens, that person dies or they miss their eyeball, the other person can hit the eyeball. And you can't hit the wrong eyeballs either. <laughs> or you die. So everyone's got to hit the right <laughs> eyeballs again. After that happens, I believe you fall down another shaft or something and you actually see the full dragon wrapped around this like crystal and you have to shoot the cysts that are on her body, which is really gross. Ew. Um, but you shoot them. Great. Uh, and that all happens. So you yes. are actually Dr. Pimple Popper in that oh, instance. Oh, no. No. Once you've done that, you repeat you repeat all of that again if you've not damaged her enough. You have to do the whole thing over again until Jesus. you do enough damage. Once you do enough damage, it keeps going. You go into the Ascendant Realm... You do a jumping puzzle. You have to kill things. She, You get back into the ogre room. She appears again. You can shoot and kill her then. She collapses. You think she's dead. And then you have a timer. And you have to run down her throat into her stomach and kill her heart before I believe the timer runs out. If there's a timer. I'm not sure if there's a timer. No, I think there is. Or your health is running down or something. Something's happening where you have to do it in a certain amount of time. Jeez, that's intense. That is when you finally technically defeat Riven. <laughs> you think the raid's over. It's not. You have to cleanse her heart. So you have to pick up her heart. One person picks up the heart and you have a bubble around you and you have a timer. So you have to run as far as you can before the timer goes down. And then once the timer goes down, you get sucked into the Ascendant Realm. If anyone else, I think, is in the bubble with you, they also get sucked in, which you don't want to happen. Once you're in the Ascendant Realm, you're killing things, you're cleansing things. As you cleanse things, uh, you add to the timer for the person 
running with the heart, that person has to make it to a certain point where the witches will, will cleanse the heart for you. So you have to run backwards through part of the raid that you've done and while people are being teleported away. So eventually there's like one person left that has to finish it on their own while everyone is like basically about to die in the Ascendant Realm. And then if you cleanse it, you beat the entire raid. That's a lot. And that's it. That's a lot of stuff. So Kate, when are we playing Destiny 2 on PS4? <laughs> I don't know. I'm really tired real now. that took us i mean it took us multiple days of playing for hours to get up to riven in the raid and then so do you get to like like save your no margin for error so it's reset weekly so sort of like you can but like if you if you wipe like halfway through you have to start over at the beginning right at the beginning of fighting her yeah right there's There's like like two other bosses before her but there's not no. like phases in the fight that they let you start back. Right, you go back to the beginning of the battle. Jeez. Yeah. That's a lot of stuff. That is a lot of stuff. That was that was really so intense. cool. Though. Like I mean, yeah, no, it's very intricate and so like it makes you work for it. You have to work for it. And the other yeah. thing too is that I like mean... it's like any uh, if you really want to like team build at work or some shit. Yeah. Like that's the fucking thing to do because if yeah. anyone we had we had two guides for the first night and one guy was like being really nasty because he was getting so frustrated oh. with with me and matt o'neill <laughs> and um and like we couldn't do it we couldn't do it because he was so toxic and once because the morale on everyone everyone's morale was just like at zero at that point yeah once he was out and like you have to remain positive like that's when we were able sure. to yeah. beat him so it's like it's an actual exercise in like can this team work together to kill this boss that we've built? Yeah, I would love it if they actually incorporated more uh, video games for team building activities at work. Uh, yeah, right. I don't think anybody at work could play could do that. Though, yeah, that raid with me. That's Whew, my that was a doozy. Like, I really feel mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm with Kate on that one. I'm a little exhausted. After yeah, I'm a little tired. It. I can't imagine actually playing it. At yeah, this point. it's kind of crazy. Do we have any others that we wanted to bring up? I, I, I is that all? I had an honorable mention. Okay, that's it. I have a couple more to talk yeah. about that Steve will probably also want to talk about, um, and that is Arkham Asylum. Mm. I have three memorable bosses from that for different reasons. Wow. Um, nice. the The best boss of Arkham Asylum, in my opinion, was Mister Freeze, because. You're in that room where you can like literally use any of your Batman abilities to different ends. So they have the walls that you can blow up, things you can hit with your battering, you know, all these different. So there's a mil- there's like a lot of different ways you can beat him. And I like that it sort of incor- incorporates your whole arsenal and allows you to kind of pick and choose what you want to do. So that is why I think it's the best one. Is that the one from Asylum or City? From Asylum. Dang, because there's one, there's one in City that's like the same thing where... You can use everything at your disposal, but as soon as you use something, he basically blocks out whatever you use, so that way you can't use it again. So you have to like okay. go through your entire arsenal to to get him down yeah. to his last hit. So I I but yeah I know I agree that like Mister Freeze is he's especially because he's a very underrated Batman villain in the sense that yes. I don't think he's used well in a lot of situations, but I think he shows up very well in the Arkham games because yeah, he actually has. I agree. A DLC for Arkham Origins that was really fucking good because it, it was another one like you have to mm. fight him again in Arkham Origins and it was like one of the better boss fights and it was a DLC. Mm-hmm. 
we talked about it a little bit already, but Scarecrow, I think, mm. is sort of iconic from that game. It was one game. of my honorable mentions. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's sort of for, like, all opposite reasons as Mr. Freeze, mm. where, mm-hmm. you know, it's all psychological, and you, you, you're powerless. You're just trying to hide and, like, run away from him. And, yeah. you know, you're not, like, you can't beat him. You just have to yeah. survive, basically. And, and he's, like, bringing up all this stuff, and, like, you know, it, it was very, like, an emotional emotionally draining probably for bruce rather than physically draining so that's another another one and then i personally just really liked the killer croc battle in the sewers scared the shit out of me the first time i did it i was not expecting him to just like pop up from the floor kind of thing so um you know that one you have to kind of try to like hop on different things to avoid him and he does a few things that he kind of telegraphs that you have to avoid um so that one was just like a kind of cool, almost like horror-esque fight. So it was like a different change of pace. So I think those three are all really good. Yeah, I love, there are so many good Arkham fights. And I think a lot of it too, just because naturally like, I'm a huge Batman fan. So yeah, it's just like hitting on I all I think they those. were just legitimately good. Though, yeah. I, I, I agree. I, I definitely agree because it was very much like a beat em up, but it, you still had to use all your cool Batman gadgets. So you still felt like Batman where you're kind of outsmarting them. Mm-hmm. One I want to add on is the Arkham City fight where you fight Clayface. Mm -hmm. So that was so cool for a couple of reasons because you find out the twist that, like, Clayface has been impersonating the Joker and the Joker is still actually fucked up from what happened in Mm -hmm. Asylum. And then you have to fight Clayface. And, like, the way the battle kind of morphs, it's great because, like, as you're beating him down, he starts to, like, deform a little bit. And I think another one, like, Clayface is an awesome villain that it would be so cool to have him in, like, a, a movie of Batman because of like how he could yeah like he could rearrange like who he is so that one was a great fight the other one was deathstroke from arkham origins just because deathstroke and arkham origins was really cool because he's the whole thing with arkham origins is black mask puts out a hit on batman so all these assassins come out of the woodwork to try to kill him he is able to like counteract a lot of your moves but the reward when you beat him is you get his, like, awesome, like, electrified, like, brass knuckle type things. Mm-hmm. And it just changes combat for the rest of the game. Like, you you absolutely obliterate enemies with those things moving from there on out. I don't think Origins gets enough love. I think that is, after Arkham City, I think Arkham Origins is my number two of the mm-hmm. Arkham games. Really a big fan of it. Is that the third one or the second one? It's City's the, the second it's, one. Yeah, so Origins is technically the third one because it came out. It wasn't produced by Rocksteady. It was produced by, I think, Rocksteady Montreal. And so it was technically Which was the one with the Doctor? That's Arkham City. Um, Oh, I played that one. Yeah, Professor Strange, yeah. No, but yeah, I love the uh, the superhero fights. And I got to give an honorable mention to the Spider-Man fights because of the style and the way they did it, where... I, like I've said on the when Jimmy and I did the Spider-Man spoiler cast, we talked about how like the third act is very boss fight heavy, and the way they do it is like because it's the centers of six, and so you fight them in pairs, and so it's only two on two on two, mm-hmm. and so I loved how you had to figure out the strategies to fight both of these different villains. So it was like Vulture and Shocker, and then Scorpion and Rhino, oh. and then it was Mr. Negative and Doc Ock at the end of it, and then with a, a final battle with Doc Ock. Just phenomenal. Really it was action-packed. Ock. Like Each fight felt different, too. Like You had to use your different Spidey abilities to actually beat these folks. 
so intense, so action-packed. Obviously, I love that fucking game. It was amazing. And uh, the combat was one of the best parts of that game. So getting to kind of utilize your full arsenal in, like, two-on-one combat was very tense and satisfying at the same time. Side note, one sentence. I love that Jake Gyllenhaal is Mysterio. Like, it's fucking cool. He's a comic book accurate Mysterio, too. Like, it looks so fucking cool. I'm very excited for this movie. very cool. Yeah. Okay, my honorable mention was the Enter the Gungeon bosses. Just because they're, like, really creative, lots of fun to play, challenging. Sometimes it feels unfair, which is annoying, but the whole game is based on, like, the random generation of guns that you pick up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the skill of, like, avoiding bullets. But... The bosses were tons of fun at the at the end of each stage, so that was my honorable mention. In light of that, I actually want to throw another one in there. And uh, the game I played a couple months ago, Overwhelm, actually last month, that I wrote a review on because the whole aspect of that was the same kind of thing where it's like the one shot kill, and you only have three lives, so to like get through the hive, and you need to beat like the five different bosses to get like the five different gemstones. But what was cool is that each boss was different. So it was like a flying boss. There's one where you're like in the grass and it like blends in so you can't even see it. You just have to like watch for the shadow to move. So a lot of that fight, you're pretty much just firing and hoping you're hitting it. And then there's like this big like earthworm thing <laughs> that like goes in the ground. And it's like this giant slug of a, of a boss you have to fight. There's a giant squid. That motherfucking squid was a real pain in the ass. That was the toughest one I had to beat for sure. And then there's another one where there's like dual lizards that can like climb on the ceiling and like jump down at you. But was the the coolest part about Overwhelm, obviously it's tense because if you get hit, you die. And then if you die three times, you have to start over. (laughs) But when you beat one of the bosses and you got the gem, all of the other enemies in the hive would then inherit that ability of that boss. So if you beat the one that can fly, now you have things that'll fly and dart at you instead of just hover around. And if you beat the lizards that can crawl on the ceilings, now you're going to run into scorpions that can also crawl on the ceilings. And like, they always had just that little thing where as soon as you felt like you were getting better, you're like, the world is literally advancing with me and I'm not like, you don't get any power ups. They get the power ups. That's kind of, that's pretty cool. Oh yeah. Overwhelm is awesome. And it has a a local co-op mode, which is a lot of fun because it gives you the ability to revive each other. So it it makes Mm, it easier. So that way you get to save lives. But I highly recommend Overwhelm if you're looking for like a, a tense, fast paced, like palm sweaty experience. Also, it's very frustrating because you die a lot. <laughs> so I'll give an honorable mention. Matt, you kind of already brought it up, but um, in general, the bosses of Final Fantasy XIV, especially the endgame bosses, are all really fun. Um, not quite as complicated as that Destiny boss that you described, but some get pretty complicated <laughs> and definitely promote. Yeah, who was that guy with the question marks on the ground and shit? The Kefka? Riddler? Kefka. The one that you watched oh, me okay. stream? When I was playing? Yeah. yeah, that was Kefka. That one seemed weird. Well, he's originally from FF6, but they brought him back for 14. Your favorite one? Yeah. Anyway. We know they, that now. You do know that. I, lo- I love the teamwork, and I think they do a really good job sort of, like, iterating on the mechanics as you go through each expansion. So, you know, the early bosses will introduce a thing that then by the end game you better know how to do that thing. Because, mm-hmm. you know, they, they punish you mildly at first, and then, like, later in later bosses, it's like, okay, we've been throwing this thing at you the whole time. If you don't know how to do it by now, you're going to wipe the party kind of thing. So right. I think they do a really great job with keeping it fresh. I mean, the game has been going on since 2014 or earlier, and they're always 
building on the boss mechanics and it's always interesting and a challenge so nice. kudos to them and the music yeah. is almost always fantastic i feel like almost we should leave bad boss battles for another it's a whole other topic i think it's a whole my god we talked so much and because i I like the positivity of this episode i I think we've had a lot of fun reminiscing about some incredible boss experiences because yeah now we have another podcast topic for the back pocket okay i'm putting out so if you find folks out there listening to us have some amazing boss battles that really impacted you in your gaming life whether it was just a fun experience or you were really impressed with it mechanically it made you think there was some strategy involved give us a call at 347-509-5620 leave us a voicemail and we will talk about it on the podcast all right let's move on to patch notes this is patch notes 05.08.19 in which we update you on the latest gaming news that broke since last we spoke Patch Notes is brought to you by Evil Tim Industries. Evil Tim Industries is the final boss of Game of Thrones. And <laughs> once Cersei dies, uh, it will be revealed that Evil Tim Industries owns a giant mecha spider that will emerge <sighs> from King's Landing with Euron Greyjoy on it, shooting ballista bolts off of it while wild wild west by will smith plays in background and that's all that's actually a great i didn't know where you're going with the mech spider thing but now perfect now you see Absolutely it. perfect <laughs> thank you evil tim for your sponsorship of the show and of game of thrones yes you are thank a great you man, evil tim all right moving on to patch notes i don't have any why don't we just why don't we just do Steve's and we kind of talk about it because okay. I feel like there's a I good like discussion Steve's, to be yeah. had. All right. So this is from today, actually. Hot off the presses. So this Hot. is from Kotaku by the Oracle, Jason Schreier. Seriously, best in the business. <laughs> the Oracle. The Oracle. Mm-hmm. So this article is titled, U.S. Senator Introduces Bill to Ban Loot Boxes and Pay-to-Win Microtransactions. So the article goes on to say, Senator Josh Hawley, Republican of Missouri, today announced a bill that would ban loot boxes and pay-to-win microtransaction in, and I'm saying this in quotes, games played by minors. A broad label that the senator says will include both games designed for kids under 18 and games, in quotes again, whose developers knowingly allow minor players to engage in microtransactions. Hawley will introduce the bill, the Protecting Children from Abuse of Games Act, to the U.S. Senate soon. In press materials announcing the bill, Howley's team brought up the Activision game Candy Crush as an egregious example of pay-to-win microtransactions thanks to its $150 luscious bundle. Oh, my God. That's actually it's what we... called that? That's what we call a date with Matt Martinez. Oh! Oh! <laughs> the luscious bundle. So the luscious bundle that comes with a whole bunch of goodies. <laughs> so funny. This bill will also likely apply to a host of online games that feature loot boxes and other ways in which players can spend money for real benefits. When a game is designed for kids, game developers shouldn't be allowed to monetize addiction, Howley said in a press release. And when kids play games designed for adults, they should be walled off from compulsive microtransactions. Game developers who knowingly exploit children should face legal consequences. Last fall, the Federal Trade Commission promised to investigate loot boxes following a letter from Senator Maggie Son, Democrat New Hampshire, that she wrote in the wake of 2017's string of games featuring the heavy usage of predatory microtransactions such as Middle Earth, Shadow of War, and Star Wars Battlefront 2. Although some companies have pulled back on the practice, popular games like Overwatch, FIFA, and Apex Legends continue to make big money off randomized microtransactions. 
Many of those games are played by both adults and children. Howley39 has become known in Washington for criticizing major tech companies, Facebook and Google, often accusing them of anti-conservative bias. And there's also an update here. As of 1218, the Entertainment Software Association, the video game industry lobbyist group, sent over a statement shortly after this bill was introduced. Numerous countries, including Ireland, Germany, Sweden, Denmark, Australia, New Zealand, and the United Kingdom, determined that loot boxes do not constitute gambling. We look forward to sharing with the Senator the tools and information the industry already provides that keeps the control of in-game spending in parents' hands. Parents already have the ability to limit or prohibit in-game purchases with easy-to-use parental controls. So it is a whale of an article. I reckon, I mean, th- yeah. that is I feel the like you thing, just read the whole thing. <laughs> I did. I definitely yeah. did because. No, it's important. All that is very important. And because this is yeah. the whole topic for patch notes. So fuck it. We're going to yeah. read yeah. it. But I mean, obviously I have a, a few different feelings on it. Um, I definitely understand Me why too. people don't like microtransactions. I, I, I fully understand it. Um, personally, it doesn't um, necessarily bother me just because if it's not something that's going to directly affect the outcome of my game, whether, you know, if I don't need to buy something to actually experience, you know, an ending or to actually experience the full, the, the game as a whole, I don't mind that they're there because I won't purchase them, but I understand how it is a problem because I understand this issue here where you have parents who will buy these games for their children, not fully understanding what these games entail. And so that mm-hmm. opens up the doors to children being able to access stuff, this stuff without children, uh, without the parents being aware of it. Like I've told you the story about one of my friends, how, you know, his nephew ended up buying like $2,000 worth of Fortnite skins because the credit card was, you know, on the switch or whatever it yep. was. Yep. And then Fortnite didn't reimburse them. They were just like, oh, that sucks. Enjoy your fake Fortnite clothes. Yep. So I agree that there needs to be something done about it for sure. I, I cause I think it goes further than just, well, it's in the parents' hands. It's like, yeah, it is in the parents' hands, but I feel like there's a lot of fine print that yeah. a lot of a lot of gamers probably would miss. And like, unless you're like really paying attention to every step this industry takes, you're gonna miss a lot of this stuff. So it's easy to not know sure. that all of this is available unless you're actually taking the game yourself. And of course, you could argue, yeah, sure, the parents should probably take more hands-on approach to what their kids are doing. But, I mean, you can't watch your kid every fucking second of every day. It's just not feasible. So, shit's going to happen. So, while I do agree that something for sure needs to be done because I get it. Companies are always going to try to make money. That's what companies do in America. It's a capitalist country. They're always going to try to make as much money as possible, you know, for better or worse. Like, obviously, there's got to be better ways to do it. for worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of... Yeah, because a lot of these big corporations, all they care about is the bottom line. But I'm just understanding that that's just kind of how these companies will go so i do think something should be done i don't think the government's the right one to regulate it i think it needs to come within the game industry itself i think these companies need to take responsibility and figure out a better way to do this where you're not going to run the risk of allowing children just to spend insane amounts of money and you know just possibly open themselves up to ridicule because they don't spend a lot of money and buy all this shit because i saw an article on uh, polygon talking about how Fortnite is turning into bullying because they were literally calling there's an insult going around now where people like kids will call each other defaults because they have the default skins in Fortnite because they can't wow. afford to buy so like that shit sucks oh, it's like, a new... it's like the new yeah. version of not having the cool shoes or whatever yeah like that shit definitely sucks and I think that 
There needs to be something Oof. done about it, but I think it needs to start with the actual video game companies. Just, I just don't think the government's equipped yeah. to regulate this type well, of shit. And, and going along with that, what concerns me about this is like, I absolutely want to see microtransactions and loot boxes, especially aimed at children, go away. But I don't want the government... I don't like that precedent because then the government... Yeah. You know how you get these guys every once in a while, these like old senators that are like, video game violence is the reason why people shoot others and like so then what is the next bill going to be introduced like oh you can't use like guns in video games or you can't violent video games shouldn't be you know made anymore you know it's like it's a very slippery slope yeah and i i agree with you i disagree i have to butt in okay go for it uh i feel like the i feel like the slippery slope argument is often used to scare people from minor regulations in government and so I actually don't think that's a valid argument at all. I think that the government needs to regulate microtransactions and loot boxes because what we've learned up to this point, the companies have had ample time to regulate well, themselves and they true. haven't. And so the government at this point does need to step in. The one caveat being is that we don't, as of right now, like as of recording this podcast, we don't know the text yeah. of the bit. It's still not released on this senator's website or, yeah. or anywhere so i haven't read the whole thing the summary because it's not available the summary sounds vague and there are some there's some wording in there that is like well how are they gonna how are they gonna know what games kids are playing yeah. how are yeah. they gonna know what kids what games kids aren't playing and how does that factor into the regulation so i think just before we go off the deep end sure. with hard hard arguments like we don't know what's in the text so i don't think we can form a fully informed opinion the second thing that i would just like to say is that there's you can google search third party studies on gambling and loot boxes and there is study after study after study that directly links using loot boxes and microtransactions to gambling behaviors May 1st, 2019, Science News Summary. Gamers who are drawn to loot boxes, randomly generated prizes of undisclosed value that can be attained or purchased within a game, bear a closer resemblance to problem gamblers than they do to problem gamers. New research finds. September 18th, 2018, the Australian Environment and Communications Reference Committee conducted a survey of more than 7,400 gamers in the country, Australia, to determine how they respond to chance-based items in game. The ECRC presented the results to the study during a public hearing in Canberra. As you might expect, the study supports the idea that loot boxes are psychologically akin to gambling. March 7th, 2019, previous research suggested a link between the amount of gamers spend on loot boxes and their problem gambling. This is on, uh, this is by David Zendel and Paul Cairns, DOI.org. The study found similar evidence uh, between a link between the amount that gamers spent on loot boxes and the severity of their problem gambling. Previous research strongly suggested both the size and direction of this link between loot box use and problem gambling. This paper provides further support for this link there's a clear scientific link between these two things we have to take like kids can't be participating in this or they'll be addicted for life unless they go through like heavy you know psychotherapy or treatment or therapy to get rid of that addiction and adults you know i imagine these like 74 the samples of these people are probably adults Mm -hmm. due to like legal things on like research and so it's showing that it has an effect on adults too. 
The gambling industry is regulated in the US. This has shown enough of a link through science that it is basically the same thing as gambling. Mm -hmm. So for that reason, in conclusion, I would support the government taking action for those two main points. Again, we don't know the full text. Right. So we can we don't even know what the bill is effectively. Quote unquote games played by minors leaves a lot to interpretation. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and I guess I guess my other concern about this real quick is like, you know, if you watch that Q and A they did with Zuckerberg where they were just asking him the most inane yeah, it was pretty bad. And the Google pointless. Yeah, like just the, the stupidest questions that had nothing to do with anything that was on the table. And it's like, I'm a little concerned about, you know, gaming is even more niche than something like Facebook or data privacy or whatever. So it, it does concern me that these are the people that are making a decision and have to vote on this bill when I'm sure they don't understand it and don't even understand yeah. what questions to be asking to allow them to understand it. So... But I, I totally agree with you, Matt, in that loot boxes are absolutely gambling. I think I think it's common sense, even if yeah. there weren't studies, but right. the studies yeah, just yeah, back yeah. it up. So I do think something needs to be done about it. Yeah, we are all in agreement that they're definitely a form of gambling. But I yeah. agree with you, Kate, in the sense that I just don't think our government and the state that it's in, I'll leave it at that, is that <laughs> I, I don't, I don't <laughs> think they are equipped to make decisions like based on tech like if, if you want to go a gambling route sure yeah they want to make it all about gambling I, yeah. I i don't know i just feel like they don't understand technology in the slightest like i we've seen way too many exactly like you said like thanks to zuckerberg and you know mm -hmm. giving all of our information out to everybody who asked for it so because of that we realize that the people in you know the senate they are just you know not exactly up to date. No. I want to, like, like you said, man, I want to read this bill because I want to sure. see what they're actually trying to do. But I, I get yeah, a little Yeah, because it nervous. has to be specific. If it's not specific, then it's not going to work. Yeah. Like, it has to be really, really specific. Yeah, it can't be, it can't be vague. There's no way it can But I'd rather take a shot than not take any shot at all, you know? Like, I'd rather, yeah. I'd rather we try I know, than I just, just give yeah. up before trying. Well, and, and certainly bringing children into it definitely provokes that knee-jerk reaction even if these congress people right. do not understand gaming or loot boxes or anything i think most people want to protect the children so one of the main reasons why i'm, I'm more skeptical about it is because what you had mentioned earlier kate is because of how they've scapegoated video games in the past and so I just, I'm nervous because I, I know that a lot of these I think people, it's okay to be nervous. Yeah, because yeah. that's the thing is, I know a lot of these people, they don't like video games regardless. So that's why I'm, yeah. I'm a little worried about getting them involved. Ideally, I would really love it if these fucking corporations would just stop doing this shit and just be like, hey, let's tone they this won't. down. I they know, won't. and that's the thing is, I know they won't. And so that's what we've come to is now we have to get... Yeah government involved and i'm like eh, i don't know how i feel about it i'm very skeptical so we'll see we'll see what the actual bill says we'll see. yeah but as of now yeah. i'm i'm nervous maybe maybe the threat of government involvement will scare them enough that they will start self-regulating that i think that yeah. would be the best outcome possibly that was patch notes 05.8.19 steve take us home i will take us home tonight <laughs> I won't let you go till we see the light. 
So this has been episode 79. It's time to finally wind it down. If you have enjoyed this episode or any other episode, think of heading on over to whatever podcast service you listen to us on, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Podcast Addict, Pocket Cast, whatever it is, leave us a like, subscribe to us, write us a review. It goes a long way, and we really appreciate the support. And of course, if you've enjoyed this episode or anything else we produce, head on over to patreon.com slash plus one player. And if you are feeling generous, throw us a buck or two because every dollar you give us will go right back to the show to make it be the best it could possibly be. Come on and join that rad group of Patreon supporters. We'd love to have you. So it's finally time to bid adieu to episode 79. We hope that you have enjoyed it as much as we've enjoyed making it for you. And as always, wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, We appreciate you, and we will talk to you all very soon. Uh, Jump up onto the pillar, Rob. And then I... Uh, look at the symbol that the nuts. He's got to read his called. textbook real fast. <laughs>